What is up, guys? It's Haley. You know what this means. It is an episode with Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker of the Just Thinking Podcast. If you've been following here for any amount of time, you've probably heard me say, this is my favorite show. These are my favorite guys to listen to when I listen to podcasts, driving around, going on walks, cleaning, whatever, folding clothes. This is what I listen to. So you can imagine how fun it was for me to get to have them on my show a second time and talk to them about truth. So that is what we are talking about today. The sponsor of this episode is Kindled Firestarters. That is my Patreon community where I share bonus episodes every single Friday just for Patreon supporters. You can join us for $10 a month at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. So every single Friday when you're in Patreon and uh, when you join that community, you will get a Firestarters episode uploaded on Friday inside the Patreon app. You can download it on your phone, listen to it right in the app, just like you do your podcast app. Inside the Patreon app, I always ask patrons and members of that community what they want to talk about, what topics they want me to cover. Uh, those episodes are a little more off the cuff. They're just me and the mic, and we talk about social, cultural, theological, and political topics, whatever is kind of on the menu for the week. Um, like I said, they're solo episodes most of the time. Sometimes there will be like a clip from an episode that I'll share that didn't air in the main podcast. Um, and so, yeah, it's awesome. It's so fun. And you definitely want to be in there if you have kind of run through all of uh, previous Kindled episodes and are looking for more to listen to. The last thing I'll say before getting started is that it is not very often when I am going through an episode to listen again before airing it, which I do with every episode at least once, usually two or three times, it is not very often that I literally don't have to edit a single thing. Like I didn't have to take anything out. There was no pauses, no, well, what do you mean by that? Or hold on, let me get my notes. Or let me look up this Bible verse. Like these guys know their stuff. They literally flow like it's their job because it is their job but they just it was incredible listening back to this I was like oh my gosh I have not edited a single thing which I mean one makes my life easier but also just speaks to the level of um, wisdom that these guys just have and that is obviously thanks to God granting that to them and I'm just so thankful that they are sharing their time and their wisdom with us and me on this episode so without further ado Here's my conversation with Daryl and Virgil. Daryl and Virgil, thank you so much for being here today. Glad to be here. Glad to be with you, Haley, again. Yes, this is your second time back. You know, I think actually you may be my first second time interview. Whoa. How's that? <laughs> hey, chuck that up. Hey, listen, Daryl, mark that down, brother. You, you know, gotta mark that down. You know I, what? I'm going to mark that down with my red pen. No doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so I was telling you guys before we started recording, but you were kind of the first interview that I did that kind of signaled for me a shift in, in the podcast from uh, some of the topics that I covered the first year and a half of my show, which were a little more surface level, uh, you know, still good, not n nothing, you know, contradictory or unbiblical, just maybe really not what uh, what a lot of women actually need to be hearing these days, which is truth. That's mm. what we're going to be talking about today is the concept of truth and understanding truth from a biblical worldview. And as I kind of made the shift in my own personal life, even in the midst of running this podcast in front of, in, you know, doing interviews, having these conversations that often to me, frankly, felt shallow, 
superficial, a waste of my time. At the end of the day, I was like, I just don't care about this. Why am I doing this? I don't care. And then, you know, around the time I interviewed you guys, I realized it's, it's not that I didn't care to be having conversations It's that I wanted to have conversations that were meaningful and encouraging and redirected my heart back to what was true because life is hard and parenting is hard and everything is, you know, I mean, life is toil. And so I needed something more substantial. And so um, it was about the time we did our first interview that I kind of made that shift. So just want to say thank you for helping me to kind of make that shift and just be an encouragement to me the whole time. I want to, I want to mention one thing that I remembered you saying at the time when we had had our first interview with you. And I think maybe it came out of the you know, maybe conversations that, that we had afterwards, uh, or, or I think it was maybe even commentary that you had with someone else where mm-hmm. you said, hey, I really appreciate Daryl and Virgil and their passion for women uh, who, you know, who understand things theologically. They, they have a passion for making sure that, that women are taught well theologically, that, that, that you know, these aren't these guys who are these theologues in a corner, you know, looking down upon women, but who really uh, want to see women own uh, their, their own understanding of what what scripture says and 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 the like, and so I, I remembered you saying that, and I, and I remembered thinking, wow, that's such a natural part of how we do what we do mm-hmm. that I don't even think of it as as segmented off. I do think, and I think I shared with you even on the podcast how important I believe it is for women to understand these issues because mm-hmm. they are in relationship and community with a lot of different people in a lot of different spaces. And so I'm excited to, I was excited to witness kind of the, the, the transformation, so to speak, as I, as we kind of, you know, after the interview, we, we keep an eye on you. We follow you, we hear what you're doing. And just to see where you, where you took things was, was awesome. Yeah. Haley, maybe, uh, maybe Virgil and I have been doing this podcast together too long because he, he just stole my thunder. I mean, it was like <laughs> reading my, my mind right there. You know, that's really a, a theological pet peeve of mine is just the the dearth of substantive, serious theological uh, dialogue and theological platforms that are available for women. Mm-hmm. That's a huge pet peeve of mine. Uh, that's why uh, you know we we don't do a lot of plugs on our podcast on the Just Thinking podcast, but when we come across one that we think is worthy of our listeners uh, to be aware of, uh, you know we plug it. So we we do. We've done maybe what, Verge, maybe five uh, plugs of other individuals on our episodes uh, so far. We've done 105 episodes now. Two of those five have been a women's podcast. So uh, we we are deadly serious about uh, Christian women becoming better theologians, better apologists. And there's so much weak content out, out there right now for women. Yeah. Uh, it's really a shame, you know, uh, uh, look, how, how to, how to brew a better pot of coffee or how, how to, mm-hmm. how to, how to, uh, you know, uh, you know, make your day, uh, more, more, more brighter or something like that. You know, all that's, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think about what you said, Hey, I'm looking at Paul's words in first Corinthians 15, three, Paul says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, mm-hmm. see what I received that Christ died for our sins. So it's got to start with the substance, you know, and I don't think there's a lot of substantive content out there for Christian women right now. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for having the courage to kind of redirect your own platform. And, 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 and that even out of a self-awareness, you know, nobody had to tell you, uh, you that you realize that on your own say, Hey, I got, I got to redirect what I'm doing here. Uh, so thank you for doing that. We appreciate you. 
Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think you got, you hit it on the head that there is a lot of fluff out there for women and mm-hmm. it's a really unfortunate. And I think it's actually probably uh, partially to blame for why we see so many churches kind of rotting from the inside out because, you know, you're feeding them candy and you're wondering why they're getting cavities. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what we see happening with so many women. And, and it's not because they're not capable of understanding theological content. It's not because they're not capable of studying God, God's word for themselves, but they are told here, learn this. Here's, here's the lesson. Here's the verse. Here's what we want you to take away. Now, now that's it. Now go, you know, go and get your kids from childcare. Like, and I, I mean, I'm in a church now that is, that I wasn't in when I first interviewed you guys that is teaching me how to study the scripture for myself to, Mm -hmm. you know, draw out truths about God from scripture itself. I don't have to eat the crumbs from the table. You know, I can have the meal myself and Mm -hmm. it's just, it's so empowering and it's so essential that it, I mean, I'm so passionate that other women learn how to do that, believe they can, and then have, you know, supplementary resources like your guys' show, um, like some of what I'm doing on Kindle to help them, you know, just be encouraged in that effort and that pursuit, because we absolutely are called to that. And, and anything less than that is, is a lie. And so, you know, that's what, that's what I want to really impress on people. And I, I do say regularly, I tell people, your guys' show is my favorite. That's I'm not just saying that. I would not flatter you. Um, it truly is my favorite. And uh, and so I'm sure a lot of people sometimes are like, I don't know. I mean, this is like, this is all these deep theological concepts, but I'm like, no, this is what you need. This is what you got to be listening to. So I point everyone I can your guys' way. Um, well, let me, can I just yeah, interject something absolutely. here real quick? Real quick, Haley, you know, I think a lot of uh, the content that's out there that's that's targeted at Christian women is so uh, so emotionally so emotionally influenced. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say here on the opening in your in your presence on your show that women are thinkers. Also, women are mm-hmm. thinkers, and I think uh, I think a lot of it. And I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not going to name names. However, but I think there are Christian women out there that have ministries, many of whose names you would immediately recognize if I were to mention them that play on how God has designed a woman to be very feelings-based, very, very emotions-centered, mm-hmm. is doing those women a disservice. It's yeah. doing a disservice. Um, and what you just said there, you know, you've got women who will say, well, well, here's the lesson. Here's the main points that I want you to take out of this. You know, now go pick up your kids from childcare. And I think we do a disservice not only to women, but to, to other Christians in general, when we put all the food on the plate for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes the food that we put on the plate is the wrong kind of food. Uh, you know, there's some teachers out there right now who have some horrible hermeneutics, horrible, just absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. But we have to be willing to do the hard work of studying the scriptures for ourselves. Uh, and I think Christian women especially are being absolutely poorly, dis- poorly served because the platforms that are out there that are targeted against are targeted towards them are so weak. They don't engage the mind. Right. And what did Paul say in Romans 12 too? He said, by the renewing of your mind. Okay. And there's so many platforms out there for women that engage the emotions, the feelings without engaging the mind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this is a huge pet peeve for me. Matter of fact, you should have me and Verge back on just to talk about that. 
because mm-hmm. uh, that would be an incredible discussion for us to have with someone yeah. like you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to hold you to it. We'll do that. That'll be our next, our next, our, uh, you know, third time's a charm. We're going to get to the, the biggest topic we could, we could cover on the show, which would be what you just said. Um, so I, I want to get into this topic of truth. So before we start talking about all the things truth, we need a definition. I know you guys are big on definitions. So what is truth? Yeah. Well, I, I'd start out by, by saying that I get a, I get the wonderful opportunity of teaching apologetics often. And so I, I definitely subscribe to, 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 to a correspondence theory of truth, that which conforms or comports to reality. Uh, but I, wh- whenever I'm teaching it from a biblical worldview, because that, that comes from philosophy, that definition comes from a philosophical point of view. And so if, if, we, if we leave it there, uh, there it, it's problematic. If, if we simply say truth is that which conforms to or comports to reality, the question that must be asked is whose reality? You know, is it, is it my reality? Is it your reality? And then we get into what's subjective. And so what I like to add to that whenever I teach this, Haley, is I, I say that, that truth is that which conforms to reality or comports to reality according to the mind of God. Um, and, and, I, and I anchor that in the mind of God. And then, I, and then I, I further go a step further to say, and we anchor what's in the mind of God based upon the text of Scripture. So for, for full orb definition, truth is that which comports to reality according to the mind of God as we find it in the text of scripture. And so all of it's gonna be anchored in that biblical worldview, in that framework, so that we can understand it. Ultimately, the Christian believes that the Christian's epistemology is one that we understand and base truth on two things. One, natural revelation, uh, that which we can see and experience through through nature. Uh, Scripture says that, that, that that all of creation declares the glory of God. But we also have special revelation that which we know and understand through the basis of scripture. And, and ultimately for the Christian, our idea about truth is anchored in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. Uh, Jesus goes on to say, sanctify them in thy word. Thy word is truth, John 17, 17. So we, we, we have some ways in which we anchor it, but from a standpoint of just definitional, um, uh, that truth is that which comports to reality according to the mind of God based upon scripture and, uh, and and then we unpack and anchor what scripture has to say about it. I don't know if you'd have anything to add to that brother. Yeah. You, you actually mentioned the verse there verse that I was going to go to. That's in John 17, 17, you know, where Jesus says sanctify them. I want to kind of break this verse up a little bit. The, the entire verse reads sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. So the first part of that verse, uh, the first part that precedes that semicolon there, Jesus says sanctify them in the truth. Okay. That, that word, the, that's a definite article. That's, that's just telling you right there that there's only one truth, okay? Now, Jesus follows that up after the semicolon with telling you what that one truth is. Well, that one truth is your word. Jesus says your word is truth. The reason the gospel is true is because the gospel is truth. You see, there, there, there's a distinction that needs to be made there. Something is true because it is truth, all right? And Virgil mentioned seven t- several, several times. I, I love that breakdown that you gave there, Virgil. You know, he mentioned the word reality, reality, reality. But we're, we're living in a culture right now where, you know, reality is relative. You know, mm-hmm. relative. Your, your, your epistemology can change. You, know, you and I can be standing in the same room. Your epistemo- epistemological reality might be that, no, we're not in the same room. And I can't even argue with that, even though right. my reality is that I'm in the same room with you. Right. So I- a Zoom call right now. I'm sure the three of us would concur 
the reality is that we're having a three-way conversation, a virtual conversation via this medium. Okay, but the culture right now, given that uh, it, it, is, it, is, it is about to go over the, the uh, epistemological cliff to where there's no such thing as truth anymore, there's, there, there's people outside of this conversation that we're having that could say, well, no, you guys aren't having a conversation. And, you know, that you, we can even argue with that person. Mm -hmm. right. So we, we look at John 17, and Jesus says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is true. So we go to God's word, like Virgil just said, the mind of God. What is reality as it comports with the mind of God? And that is the definition of whatever truth is. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, that's so good. And that is, like you just said, we, that is not what we hear from culture these days. There really is no, I mean, we're, we're way past, um, you know, absolutes or things that can be known. We're far into postmodern thought. I mean, it's, it's beyond postmodern thought. I don't even know how you would describe it where we are now, but uh, people, and you see it, you literally see it everywhere in the world. You see uh, the effect of not being anchored in reality. Mm -hmm. is where we just got people making crazy statements. I mean, two plus two equals five math is racist. I mean, just all kinds of things that you're like, I could not have made this up. And yet it's, it's, it's really happening. It's really happening before us. And, and sometimes it makes you feel like you're going crazy, but then you're like, no, I'm not going crazy. You guys are going crazy. I'm the one that's anchored here in truth. Um, but so, I mean, based on what you just said, uh, just so our listeners are clear, I think people probably got the message but can truth change yeah well well that that which is true does not change i mean that's the very definition that's the very um establishment of of truth we know if, if truth like i said from a biblical worldview is anchored in the mind of god as established in his word and is and is personified through christ we know that god doesn't change right he's the same yesterday today and forever so as a as a result truth does not change. I want to go back to, to something you said about the nature of culture right now. And it's, it, and it's the chaos that is, that, that is ensuing because they have, they, they have, they've tried to unplug themselves, disconnect themselves from reality, from truth. And again, while for us being, you know, in, in this generation and this part of the, you know, part of history and this, at this point in, in time in history, while this is new to us, the way people are responding, the way people are acting, the things that they're that they're holding on to, emotion being elevated as truth, opinion being elevated as truth, someone's feelings being elevated as truth. Scripture has seen this coming, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if we've been anchored in scripture, we can go back to Romans chapter one, verse 18, and recognize that God's wrath is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men because they suppress the truth of God that they know in unrighteousness. And so that, 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 that uh, area of the section of scripture goes on to say, and, and, and because of the fact that they've subjected themselves or they, they, they walked away from truth, that God gives them over. God gives them over to a debased mind. God gives them over to depravity. God gives them over to, to ultimately a, a, a space where they absolutely lose their minds because they're pursuing that which is not truth. And in essence, God's wrath is, okay, you want, you want your truth? Let me show you what that looks like. And it ends itself in a, in, in a destructive pattern that's ever increasing. Mm -hmm. And so we're, while it's heartbreaking, while it's mind numbing, while it's, it causes, if I had hair, I would pull it out. Um, 
Scripture has been clear about this from the beginning, that that is the very nature of mankind, the very nature of the depravity of the human heart. And that is the direction that we all take as a result. So again, back to your question, does truth change? The very definition of, of truth does not change. It is established in the mind of God prior to the point at which he said, let there be light. He was indeed true. And so that's that, that I hope, hope that answers your question. And then I kind of took a little bit of a rabbit trail to unpack a little bit of commentary on, on culture and kind of what we're seeing. Yeah. yeah I think, uh, Virgil, I'm going to stay on that same theme of, of culture and just say, I think a lot of people today or, or cultures in general, the society in general, as we see it unfolding before our eyes almost every day, uh, there's this sort of deconstructionist um, approach to truth and I think a lot of that is fueled by the fact that people want to avoid consequences. They want to avoid consequences of God's universal principles of truth that exist for everyone, that apply to everyone. So they want to avoid the consequences of those, uh, of those principles. So what they'll do is that they'll change the definitions. They'll change the terms so that, that there is no truth. And Haley, you know, what you just mentioned a second ago, two plus two equals five. That's a great example. So they, they, they want to avoid the consequences of not understanding, not abiding by that universal principle that these uh, uh, God has so ordained in His creation that there are fixed principles, and one of one of those principles is that numbers have a fixed value. Those numbers don't change, but based on my um, my uh, uh, desired outcome, I need to change those numbers because I want to I want to avoid the consequences uh, that await me if if I abide by that universal fixed principle. So they'll. They'll change the, the terms, they'll change the principles or attempt to, so as to avoid the consequences and create new consequences for them. Uh, and, and, and so that's, that's a lot of what's behind this denial of objective truth, this, this denial of uh, universal fixed principles of uh, uh, law uh, that, op- that God has so designed the world uh, to operate by. And ultimately, it's like Virgil said, it is a denial of the truth of God. He, he pointed mm-hmm. as one. Uh, and I, I'm, Virgil went there because I think there's this sort of mythological storybook uh, visage that we have of God's wrath, that we think we think of the words God's wrath together. We, we automatically think, well, God's wrath really only manifests itself like he, uh, in, in a manner that, in which he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. As long as God's not raining down hellfire and brimstone on the United States or on, on some other nation in the world, then God's wrath is, is stayed. It's really not uh, fully orbed yet. But no, Virgil's absolutely right. Uh, you know, I look at a verse in, uh, in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, verse 3. This, this, is, this is the verse by which I pretty much frame everything that's going on in the culture today as it relates to what Virgil pointed out. Uh, with regard to Romans 1. Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that there is one fate for all men. Furthermore, the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil, and insanity is in their hearts throughout their lives. Wow. This is exactly what we're seeing in the culture today. Insanity. When you, when, when you advocate 2 plus 2 no longer equals 4, but it equals 5, why, why does it equal 5 and not 3? I mean, this this is insanity. This is this is exactly what this is. We are losing our minds, and this is a manifestation of what Virgil pointed out. God just giving us over to the depraved mind, and then the fruits of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as you were talking, I was thinking about how uh, so many 
I'll speak at least just for the women that I'm connected to on social media that I see in my community or in my friend group, even in, in, you know, here where I live in Kansas city, what I see happening a lot is, uh, is this people have disconnected or kind of unhinged the reality that if, if someone does not have a right understanding of God and does not have a right view of God and therefore can have a right view of themselves, everything else about their view of the world, their understanding of what happens, what takes place, why things are happening, how they're, how they're going to get solved. Everything else is distorted, twisted, mangled, broken, and completely helpless and, and hopeless to ever really find any, um, any ending that makes sense or that is actually rooted in reality. And so what I see is a lot of times happening is, you know, somebody comes along with a solution or uh, an idea or something they put out there that sounds nice or sounds good or sounds really loving. Like you spoke to the, the emotional aspect of women, you know, we are very uh, emotionally aware. A lot of us, I know there's a lot of emotionally aware men as well. My husband's one of them. He has three girls. So I'm thankful for that. But I mean, we, we're just, we're very affected by, by those types of messages a lot of times. And so we'll hear something put out there by someone who, uh, who really doesn't have a biblical worldview. And yet what they say sounds true, sounds good, sounds loving, or it sounds like maybe it kind of falls in line with a few of God's characteristics of, you know, his, his grace or his mercy or whatever, but it's, but they don't have a biblical view of, of God or of themselves. And so there's, I just, I, I struggle with that, uh, that reality that so many women um, and so many people, I should say, not just women, but so many people have unhinged the idea that you can have um, a, a right understanding of something without having a right understanding of God. And ultimately, right. because we exist in, uh, in, we don't, we're not in a vacuum. We can't understand ourselves outside of understanding who he is and because mm-hmm. he is the purpose of our life. I mean, he, we're here to glorify him. And right. we exist to glorify him. And so without that, how can anything else be known? Um, could you speak to that, that, you know, that we're seeing in, in kind of um, even very widely in uh, popular Christian communities and circles on, uh, I mean, around the world, I see this happening too, that, uh, that that's kind of taking place. Could you speak to I, that? Yeah, I, th- I think, I think you nailed it in that any, anything apart from, I mean, if, if, if anyone knows and understands presuppositional apologetics, it's the idea that we have to examine our presuppositions, our pre-beliefs. What is it we come to a given problem with believing? And so if you have a presupposition of victimhood, I'm a victim and here's why, and, or, or I've been abused in my past. And this is, this is, this is not, that you, not that you can't be abused, but I've been abused in my past. And this is now my identity. This is now who I am as a human being. Um, when you have those presuppositions, your, your world is, is, is I mean, it, it's skewed. Your, your, your point of view is not, is not biblical. It's not a biblical perspective to hold. Again, Daryl and I spent a lot of time in the area of social justice and the like and mm-hmm. dealing with issues around ethnicity. But the same is true with issues around gender. I mean, there's a gender war that's taking place right now. One of the things that is, that's being rejected is the gender binary, that, that God created male and female. Mm-hmm. Why? They, they want to throw that out and toss that out to the point that Daryl made, because really they love their sin and they hate God. And so they begin to gather that. They, they're gathering teachers. Scripture talks about this. They begin gathering teachers around them that provide for them what, what their itching ears want to hear. 
and and they and they listen to those in daily talk shows and mm-hmm. and, and 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 different podcasts and different people who aren't pointing them to scripture as the sole uh, as a sole resource. Um, Daryl and I talked about this because really what you're talking about is the importance of women in particular, your audience as a, as a collective, having a biblical worldview. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. Do they have a view that is biblical? And, and, and scripture is clear, uh, Psalm 14, 1, that the fool, it, fool says in his heart, there is no God. Um, at Psalm, Psalm 54, I believe 53, 1 says the exact same thing. In, in, the, in the talk that I gave, and I think Daryl talked about this as, as well with regard to worldview in our, in, in fact, our, our episode that's coming out, we actually defined worldview and it's important. Mm-hmm. And, and we did so because of the very thing that you said. If, if you have a worldview that's devoid of God, you're, you're, on a, you're, you're not on a firm foundation in any way, shape, or form. You're, 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 on, you're on sinking sand to begin with. And so it's important to, to kind of navigate that, know that, anchor yourself in the truth of, of the word of God. But, but again, I, I won't, I won't steal all the thunder. It is important to, to, to anchor truth on the basis of the word of God. It's important to know that it's, that women need to have a biblical worldview and anything apart from that uh, is, is not going to be beneficial in the long run. I'll, I'll say this and, and turn it over to Daryl. As I studied uh, uh, Psalm 54, uh, Psalm 53, one, where it says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The same is said in Psalm 14, one, it opens up, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. But both of those Psalms actually open up with, the, with a music, uh, a, a, with, with uh, instructions to the, to the director of music. Uh, to, so, so these are songs that are sung. In other words, the people of Israel, as they sung these Psalms, understood how foolish it is for anyone to start out their worldview or thought process apart from God that they sung about. They, they, they started out by saying, isn't it foolish? How foolish is it for us to even think that there is no God? And then they began to laud all of the beauties of God as a result, at, by, by contrast. And so this is a part, this is a, a clear understanding of the scripture that all of these ideas need to begin uh, with truth, need to be anchored in the truth, and that the truth is found in God. Yeah, you know, Haley, I often uh, say that the Bible is both a mirror and a window, but it is first a mirror, then a window. And what I mean by that is that scripture is first a mirror for us to see ourselves, look at ourselves and, and, and know ourselves for who scripture says we are. Then we can look out as if, a, as, as if through a window, take scripture and look out as through a window to others and to the world around us. You know, when you're talking about having a, a biblical worldview, a God-centered worldview, I think about, uh, you know, the book of Job, for example. Uh, you know, you, we look at Job and for millennia, right? Job has been uh, defined as, uh, I mean, the book of Job has, has been described as well. You know, look at the patience of Job. Look at the patience, patience of Job. But when you really study the book of Job, it was actually God who was patient. It was, it, yeah. was, it was the patient one because you look at, uh, uh, you look at that book and God just lets Job run his mouth for 37 chapters. For 37 chapters, Job and, his, Job and his friends are running his mouth. Then God comes in and for four straight chapters, God basically is hammering Job about essentially having a biblical worldview, having a godly worldview of creation and everything in it. He, he just peppers Job with a mm-hmm. of rhetorical questions which Job cannot answer. And Job finally gives up. And in Job 42, 2, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I love this, this book 
because God hammers Job with four straight chapters of rhetorical questions that Job, that Job can't am, cannot answer. Where were you? Where were you? Where were you? God just keeps hammering him there. You know, and, and this, the book of Job is a great example of how uh, just stupid, <laughs> I can't think of another word, it's just stupid to not have a, a biblical worldview of creation and how God has uh, so creatively and intelligently and through his infinite wisdom designed this world to operate. But what, what do we want to do? We think we know better than God. And essentially what we're seeing in, in the culture right now today, Haley, is a rejection of God's plan of salvation and an implementation of our own plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. So what this all can be really uh, 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 sort of uh, uh, listed under, if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm picturing an umbrella, the world is offering you a different type of salvation. The world is, and, and here's, here's, here's the fallacy of that. Here's, here's the hypocrisy of that. The world knows that it's not perfect. Okay, the world knows that we as, as human beings are not innately perfect. And yet here you have innately imperfect beings trying to make themselves perfect, trying to save themselves. I mean, how, how much sense does that make? That makes no sense whatsoever. Yet here we are. We're on, that mill, we're on that treadmill. We're on that hamster wheel every day coming up with a new methodology, a new philosophy, some new ism uh, that's going to save us because we've rejected God and we know better than him. Uh, and look how we're suffering for it. We're suffering for it. Yeah, man, that's so good. All that you guys shared. Yeah, I think we're seeing that across the board, um, you know, culturally. I, I do think that I, I mean, just because I'm a woman, maybe that's the content I'm consuming, the people I'm following. I'm, I'm seeing so many Christian women that I know um, falling prey to teachings from those who are outside the faith. Um, and But teachings that are not just on, like you said, you know, how to have a cleaner house or how to get yourself on a chore schedule or get your kids to contribute around the house. It's not about that. I'm, I'm saying there's teachers that are, I mean, there's, there's false teachers within the church, right? But then there's also like wolves who are coming after the flock from outside who are, um, who are kind of uh, being effective at tricking women into following their teachings on any given number of topics, whether that's identity, um, how to find joy in this life or happiness in this life. And, and what, you know, I mean, people who would, who would proclaim Christ and would even say Jesus in their books, like Glennon Doyle or Jen Hatmaker, or, um, you know, a number of, a number of teachers, even within the church that are, um, I mean, I see Christian women falling prey to this stuff and, and I, I, I want to, I guess I want to be explicit here in saying that they have nothing good to offer you <laughs> if, if they are not coming from a biblical worldview. Now, yeah, maybe they have a good like turkey recipe. I don't know. Maybe they have some like kind of uplifting encouragement that's going to make you feel good for a couple minutes. But the second that life gets hard again, or your kid is throwing a tantrum, or uh, your husband's going to be home from work much later than you thought, or you know you get some bad, hard news from your parents about their marriage or their health, um, that little encouragement, that little that little candy bar, is going to melt in the heat of that sun, you know. And that is just what what we see happening. And I think it's no it's it's no surprise that we've got you know higher rates of anxiety, higher rates of, um, you know, depression and, 
um, uh, all the issues that uh, that we as humanity are facing, but women included, and and we see you know we see that happening at the same time. And I have to go, man, like Christian Christians, we have to be aware of what we are putting inside of our minds, of our hearts, what we're consuming, what we're listening to on those stroller walks, what we're listening to in in our commute to go get the kids or in the school pickup line, the books that we're borrowing from the library. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be a legalist about don't listen to anything that isn't Christian or you have to listen to Christian music. I'm not trying to say that, but I am saying that I think a lot of these ideas just seep in. So um, they're just so friendly. Like they don't present themselves as an enemy to your faith. They present themselves as, you know, a little bit of a supplement. Oh, you know, a little bit of a, a different perspective or, borrowed wisdom, wisdom from another tradition or whatever they, however they present themselves. And I guess I'm just saying like, they're actually really dangerous. Um, and I feel like, a, you know, like a lot of people are going to be listening to this going like, oh my gosh, like you're so hardcore. Why can't you just relax? But um, what are your guys' thoughts on that? First, first of all, I'll just jump in and say, I, I, I so memorized by your, by your, your commentary there because I think it's so spot on, and and I think you I think you have your your finger on the pulse of what of of what a lot of women are encountering, and and, and Daryl and I see it. I, I serve as a discipleship pastor um, at a church here in Omaha, Nebraska, um, and and every time it's unfortunate. Every time there's a new kind of bright, shiny uh, female teacher. Um, that's on the scene, I, I'm, I, I'm nervous. I, I'm, I'll just be straight up. I'm nervous. My thought is, hey, this may be good right now, but, but what we've witnessed over the course of time is that their trajectory starts out in one space, and it's, and it's to the point you make. It's, it's kind of light, fluffy. It's all the pretty colors and pictures and things like that. The, the, the hair is, I mean, they spend more time thinking about what, they, what they're looking like on the cover than they actually do with the content of what's inside the book. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a pretty picture. Women are attracted to it. They're drawn to it. They're sucking it up. And then over the course of, uh, I say given three years, and over the course of some time, you begin to see this shift that goes into a direction where you're going, what in the world? Why, why are we advocating LGBTism now? Why are we advocating you know, th- this and that and feminism and, and all of these things that, that are detrimental uh, to women. And so I, I, we've, we've had to kind of pull that again, not that we don't use the same level of discernment with all of the teachers. I, I'm, I'm, I'm examining everyone's stuff. Yeah. But what I'm witnessing often with our ladies is just a susceptibility to more of that because of because of how the books start out mm-hmm. their appeal. They appeal visually. They appeal emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, that's why, I, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll let Daryl jump in, but I, and that's why we appreciate so much what you do with people like Allie Beth Stuckey, what she mm-hmm. does. She's a dear friend of ours. I know she's connected with you as well. Um, our, the, the young ladies that you had a chance to connect with from Chasing Truth, those are, those are my girls. I love what they're doing, yeah. trying to keep them, keep them theologically grounded. But, but a part of that is ongoing discipleship. I, I, would, I think one of the ways to, to gauge that is find out who these, these women who are teaching, who's their pastor? Right. Um, and, and what and what are the, what is their pastor teaching? What are, are they committed and, and submitted under the leadership of some elders? Are, and if, if so, what does that look like? I know the young ladies at, at my church. They 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 you know we connect. I I provide oversight for what they're doing. If I heard something that was sideways, these young women would in a heartbeat come to me and say, "Okay, how did we? Where did we miss it? What did we get wrong? 
those kinds of things. I think those pieces of the puzzle are important and maybe they'll be important markers for your listeners. Hey, what church is, is, is putting this out? Who's the pastor? Are they submitted mm-hmm. to elders? What, what's the teaching going on there? And I think a lot of that, knowing those kinds of things, uh, rather than simply looking at a pretty cover or a pretty picture, uh, would be helpful. So there, I, I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that, but I know I jumped into that mix. Yeah, yeah, man. A lot of pieces to that verge. You know, I'm glad you kind of went there, man, at the end, you know, because you look at, uh, do, do your average search on Amazon.com. Go to Amazon.com and then in the search field, just type uh, Christian female uh, authors, Christian female books. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, with, without fail, every book cover would either have some sort of flowery color, color design or a photo of the woman on, on the front cover. She's just uh, giddy. She just, she's just so ecstatic, so happy or whatever. But it's all that same kind of pattern. Again, just trying to visually stimulate you emotionally, right? Just to get you with, oh, yeah, this, this, this looks good. This, look, this looks promising or whatever. But again, you know, I, I think about, Haley, what you were saying earlier, what Virgil was just saying. My mind automatically went to Jude, uh, Jude 1, verse 3 where Jude writes, he says, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing, appealing that you contend, that you contend earnestly for the faith. Now, why would Jude write something like this? And I think that one of the reasons is, especially when you contrast what Jude is saying here, his admonition here, that we contend earnestly for the faith. The reason we don't do that is because we see Christianity as moralism. We just think it's just mere moralism. It's just a way to do, well, you know, if I do this or don't do that, we don't, we're not theologians. I'm going to keep hammering that. And, 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 and this, is, this is the case for uh, professing Christian women and professing Christian men. We're not theologians. We, we, we so passively treat uh, Christ's death on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like Christ died on a lazy boy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We got to hold up. Cue the mascot. He, 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 he just fell to the lazy boy and died in his sleep. He didn't, he didn't get nailed to a cross with nine-inch nails. No, no, that's not how he died. He, he died by, by falling asleep in a lazy boy. So we have the lazy boy Christianity going on where we don't take our doctrine seriously. We don't take our confessions seriously. We don't take prayer seriously. We don't take contending for the faith. We want to fight for everything else except for the faith. Yeah. Fight for justice, fight for this, fight for that. Uh, the gospel don't tell us to fight for those things. It tells us to contend. That is a very confrontational, a very, very adversarial uh, a verb there that uh, Jude is using. But because our Christianity has become so comfortable, right, so comfortable where you can't even call out false teachers. You mentioned false teachers and wolves, Haley, earlier. Our Christianity, especially in America, has become so weak, it's become passive, that it's considered unloving to call out a false teacher. Yeah. And even to call out what Scripture says about false mm-hmm. teachers, what Scripture says about wolves. Jude right here in Jude chapter 1, verse 4, Jude describes those people as ungodly persons, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness. Now, if you were to say that on social media somewhere, you would get a thousand replies accusing you of not being loving, mm-hmm. Well, you're being uh, uh, treating uh, treating your neighbor right, right. That's, that's the that's the that's the phrase du jour. Uh, you're not loving your neighbor. Well, here's just repeating to you what Scripture says. This this is this isn't the book of Daryl. This is the book of Jude. This is my epistle. I don't have any epistles in Scripture <laughs> name on it. Uh, but it's, 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 that's because we just look at our Christianity as just a set of rules. 
moralism. It's, 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 it's all it is. Uh, so we don't fight for the truth because the truth, as Jesus himself said, don't think that I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Mm-hmm. So, so we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want anyone saying uh, bad things about us because, and, and that makes us cowardly. That makes us afraid yeah. Yeah. to wield the sword that Jesus himself said he came to bear on the yeah. world. Haley, I've watched you in, in, in the social media space have to, and then, and then I've watched you do videos where you had to respond to people just on the basis of you confronting some of the, some of the issues in the culture with what the word of God actually says. And so I, I know you're, you're not immune to it. I know it probably doesn't feel great to have that happen, but what it does for us is it causes us to have a thicker skin um, and, and really, and really to walk out what scripture says in first Peter three fifteen and 16, which is that we're and, and everyone want to start wants to start out that text of scripture by by saying always be prepared to give an a, a, an answer or defense to anyone who asks you for the hope that you have, but that text of scripture actually starts out by saying to honor Christ the Lord as holy. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're going to honor Christ the Lord as holy, and as a result, then we're prepared to give a defense, to give an answer to anyone who asks us for the hope that we have in Christ. We're, do, we're to do so with gentleness. And respect this. The text goes on to say, so that when they, they 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 charge you, right? So that when they say bad things about you, you you'll be you'll be without their charge. That you won't be. They won't be able to say those things mm-hmm. rightly about you. They'll be wrong about you, but they'll still say those things about you. Mm-hmm. I think Daryl made the fantastic point of the the idea that Christ was the most loving, giving, kind, gentle human being on the face of the earth who told truth, and they nailed him to a cross. Uh, how, how, we're, we're, no, we're nowhere near that loving, nowhere near that kind, nowhere near that grace-filled. And so how in the world do we think that if we, if we operate in the same way that he did from a standpoint of declaring truth, that we won't be treated in the mm-hmm. same like manner? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Is a slave greater than his master? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Great point. Yeah, man, that's just so encouraging. Uh, and, and you guys face you guys face this all the time. I, I know you're old pros at it by now, but you uh, you face a ton of opposition for sharing truth, um, especially because you address the topic of social justice. You've got a lot of people who come to you calling you names, insulting you, telling you you ain't black. Like you've got all kinds of people who are who are very uh, discredit you as, and even your witness as a believer. And I've, I've seen that happen. I've seen you um, handle that with grace and, but you're dealing with persecution and hate and vitriol in, in light of that. I know a lot of my listeners have, have said to me and, and, you know, I talk about boldness and, and, you know, speaking with grace and love, but, but with boldness and a lot of them say, you know, I just need, I need to get better at that. I need to get better. Um, and it's so I wonder if maybe their idea of what it is that they're doing when they're standing for truth or when they are standing with, you know, opposition coming at them saying, well, you're not loving unless you accept me. You're not loving unless you basically, you know, change your definition to the one that everyone around you is saying is true. You don't love me. You're not a Christian. What do you guys do in, in the face of those kinds of accusations, those kinds of name calling? Like, how do you handle that just as individuals? Yeah, I uh, I mean this with all sincerity. I just have to laugh, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's uh, there's there's been so much that Virgil and I, you know, just individually have been through uh, throughout our lives that God has protected us. He's uh, by His grace, He's seen us through some situations and circumstances that you know most people don't even know that we've lived through. Uh, you know, so when, when when we get 
we get you get hate all the time, like you said, Haley. When our haters uh, try to hate on us, I mean, we, we just have to laugh, man. I, I really just have to laugh. I really don't. I pity them actually, because they actually have the, uh, the, the they spew out that kind of talk because in, in their ignorance, in their naivete, they think we care. Okay, they think we care about what they think about us, but they only knew how much we don't care, how much we do not care. And I think one of the reasons, and I'm not putting Virgil and me in our podcast on the platform at all. I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I mean to do when I'm, uh, when, I, when I'm about to say. But I think one of the reasons people have come to respect our podcast is because we don't care what other people think. We really couldn't care less. The reason we spend so many hours preparing for every single episode that we do is because we care only about what God is going to think, what God is going to think about the effort, the energy, the accuracy, the thoroughness, the humility that we put forth in our episodes and representing him and representing his truth. Uh, You know, one of my favorite verses when it comes to being bold uh, Haley is in Revelation chapter twenty one eight. This is a very frightening verse. We we don't we don't talk about this particular characteristic as being a sin. But listen to what <clears throat> what it says here in Revelation chapter twenty one verse eight. This is obviously Jesus speaking. It says, "But for the cowardly, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers." and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, it's it's interesting there that the first characteristic, the first adjective that is used in in that list of behavioral attributes that is going to lead to, to those types of people who exhibit those behaviors spending eternity in the lake of fire is the cowardly. The cowardly is listed first. In Revelation 21.8. But see, we don't speak about being cowardly and frightened and timid as a sin. But it is because Paul tells Timothy, right, we have not been given the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So I think the bottom line, the reason we don't stand for, we're not as bold. I love that word, Helen. We're not as bold as we ought to be in defending the truth is because we care more about what other people think than we care about what God thinks. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, see, when you die, you're not going to be judged by that person you were afraid of speaking the truth to. They're not, yeah. the, they're not the, going to be the person that judges you. It's going to be God who gave you that truth is who's going to judge you for mm-hmm. not up and defending his truth. But, but the reality is, again, I think this goes back to us wanting to be comfortable Christians. We want our Christianity to be comfortable. We don't want a Matthew 5 Sermon on the Mount, Sermon on the Mount Christianity where Jesus talks about how when we are persecuted for him in verses 10 and 11 of Matthew chapter five, blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. Verse 11, blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Now, Jesus is saying here, you're going to be rewarded for that. You should be joyful over that, but we don't want that. We don't want that persecution. We, and and, and what we, what we don't realize uh, that we're saying here is we're telling Jesus, no, I don't want your blessing because mm-hmm. I'm persecuted. I don't, I don't want to be hated. I don't want people insulting me. Mm-hmm. So, so that's fine. Jesus, you can keep your blessedness over there. I would rather have the praise of men, the praise of my peers, the praise of my fellow Bible study members, the, the pray, 
the praise of my uh, uh, club members. We'd rather have that than have your blessing upon us. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a hard truth for, for people to hear, but I think that's that's the case uh, in in many instances within the church today. Yeah, man, that's so so true. So, at, are there ever times when you're facing this that you, um, I, I don't know, do you ever waver in your resolve to keep going? I mean, and and decision to do the podcast or not might be separate from that because I know you know ministry can change over time. But do you ever do you ever waver in your resolve to uh, speak the truth? Do you ever second guess what? you're about to post or tweet or share or how to handle an issue. I mean, just, yeah. I mean, you can be honest. If the answer is no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I, I, I would say, I'd say no, not, not really. Um, my concern is more that, Hey, am I standing on the word of God? Mm-hmm. I'm more concerned with the accuracy of the exposition of a text mm-hmm. than I am what anybody thinks. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've called Daryl and said, Hey, here, here's a line of thinking that I'm taking, a track that I'm taking. At, here's biblically where I'm thinking this goes. Can mm-hmm. I bounce this off of you to see where I'm at? I mean, we've had those conversations. Right. Those are my concerns. It's not what people would say. It's not. And I think Daryl did a great job. That's why I didn't add too much to it. I mm-hmm. think he did a great job. I'll, I'll say this uh, about that with specificity. None, none of it causes us not to do it. We never did it for the approval of people. I did. I did the podcast because I, I love Daryl. Uh, I loved his writing. I wanted to come alongside and amplify his voice, period. I mean, and mm-hmm. so anything in addition that's come as a result has been all gravy on the top. So that that's kind of how, how I see that, Haley. I, I would say, I remember distinctly doing some street evangelism one time with a dear brother, Tony Miano, who who I absolutely love. Don't know if you're familiar with his ministry. He does a tremendous- I've heard of him through you, yeah. Yeah, it does, does great work out there. He, I was ministering with him one time. Uh, we were out passing out leaflets and, and passing out, um, you know, gospel tracts. And uh, after it was over with, he asked me, he said, how, how'd you do? And I said, well, there were times when I felt bold. There were other times when I kind of, you know, kind of felt like, ah, I don't know if I want to give this, you know, this, this out to somebody. Or, and, and he said, what do you think that is? And I said, well, probably, pro- probably fear man, probably fear man. Mm-hmm. And I said, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm probably concerned with, you know, what people might think. And people <clears throat> might think. He, he quickly, quickly, corrected me. He said, that, that's not the fear of man. And I said, I said, what do you mean? And he said, it's, it's not the fear of man you're experiencing. What you're experiencing is the love of self. Mm-hmm. You, you, you love yourself so much that you don't want to look like a quote unquote fool in front of somebody else. Yeah. And so you're, you're, you're not wanting to make yourself look awkward or out of place. What you think is what culture thinks is cool is actually what's cool. Not what God thinks is cool. Yeah. And so he just, and again, it, it was loving, it was caring. I mean, it was even, it was even more kind than the way I just, than the way I just explained it to you. But that's the long and short of what, what Daryl just said. We care more about what people think than we care about what God thinks. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm more concerned at this point in my life, at this stage in the game of what, what God thinks and, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to make sure I accurately and rightly divide the word of truth. So that, that's my bigger concern. Yeah. yeah, you know, Haley, uh, just to build upon what, what Virgil just did a great job articulating there, uh, I immediately went to Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4. In Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, the psalmist writes this. He says, when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I have put my trust. I shall not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? I love how the NESB reads here. It says, what can mere man, not just man, mere man. 
I mean, the, the psalmist reduces man to where he belongs, the lowest rung to where the psalmist is saying here, this is a rhetorical question, of course, that man can do nothing to me. Yeah. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So whatever man does to me, it's not lost, it's gain. We just saw that in uh, Matthew 5. Paul talks about that in the Galatians 2.20 and in the Galatians 6.14. So when we look at really what's at stake here, uh, nothing. I mean, my, my motto is, I'm serious, I have a three-word motto uh, when it comes to situations like this and, and people who want to throw uh, insults or whatever at us. My three-word motto is, I, I just do not care. Uh, I look at uh, a, a psalm like this in Psalm 56, verses 3 and 4, and you just say, man, what? what? Is, is, that's the best you can do. That is the best you can do is insult me. And listen, as Christians, I'm not saying we should go out here and create situations and circumstances where people have to respond to us with insults. I'm not saying that at all. But as you're walking in God's will, as he's giving you discernment to understand what his will is, you can be bold and courageous in doing that, and if you're not living that kind of Christian walk, if that's not your walk, if you can't look behind the steps that you've taken since you were brought to faith in Christ and see mileposts and signposts where you were insulted, where you were persecuted, where you were confronted with all sort of hate and hate and accusations that weren't true, then you may want to re-examine what Christian life are you living? Are you living a life that's just so safe that you're just keeping yourself in this bubble because you don't want to get attacked? You don't want to get the bruises? What does Paul say? Paul said that I bear upon my body the marks of the death of Jesus Christ. What marks do you have? What, what spiritual marks mm -hmm. do you have that bear out that you've been willing to take these blows for Christ who died on the cross for you? Come on, man. Come on. Wow. In your life. So, so good. Wow. Uh, as you were talking, I was reminded I was reading in what my favorite, one of my favorite devotionals by Spurgeon besides Still Waters, and I cannot find the, the page that I was on, but I Googled it and found, I think, the rep, the passage that, that must be somewhere near what I read in this in this deal. And I think it's, it, the, the quote that just impacted me this morning was, the wine of the kingdom is laid up in the cup of affliction. Yes. And the, the the fact is that that is often, often what we're doing, like you just said, what we're doing when we say, I don't want to pay the price. I don't want mm -hmm. to be disliked. I don't want to be criticized. I don't want to be looked down on. I don't want to be told I'm judgmental. I don't want to be called names. I don't want to suffer is we're saying, I don't want the blessings of God. Right. And, mm -hmm. and That's it's exactly just, what you're saying. It's crazy because mm -hmm. I mean, we, I forget this too. We all forget it in our day in and day out. But the, the truth is that that is how he works. And I came upon this passage. I know, Daryl, that you love Spurgeon. I think you guys both love Spurgeon. Uh, he's one of my favorites, but I'm going to read it real quick. It says, uh, let's see, Jesus brings in, uh, here we go. He, he does not feast his children after the fashion of the prince of darkness for the first cup that Christ brings to them is very often a cup of bitterness. Mm -hmm. There are his own beloved children, his own redeemed who have but very sorry cheer. Jesus bring, brings in the cup of poverty and affliction and he makes his own children drink of it till they say, thou hast made me drunken with wormwood. Thou hast filled me with bitterness. This is the way Christ begins the worst wine first. When the sergeant begins with a young recruit, he gives him a shilling. And then afterwards, 
comes the march come the march and the battle but christ never takes his recruits so they must count the cost lest they should begin to build and not be able to finish he seeks to have no disciples who are dazzled with first appearances he begins roughly with them and many have been his children who have found that the first course of the redeemer's table has been affliction sorrow poverty and want and while i realize that may not be the shiny beautiful you know, attractive cover on the book that's going to make you pick it up in the Barnes and Noble or click download on your Kindle uh, because that's not really what any of us want. You know, we don't actually want that. You know, our flesh doesn't want that. So often that is how Christ fills us and gives us that wine of the kingdom is through the affliction, through the sufferings that we encounter in this life as a result of standing for truth. So it's just the upside down way of the kingdom and it's how he works so often in the life of believers. And I think what we're saying is, yes, we're either loving ourselves more or we're saying we know better than God and we are, we are not believing him. We are not believing that he has told us the truth, that he will bless us and he will lift us up into heavenly places. Even if we are in, you know, imprisoned, like Paul was, even if we are beaten or flogged or, you know, whether that's verbally on your social media page or physically in another country, as many believers are facing, um, we're saying we know better than God. And so I think that's a hard word, but it's really one that, um, that I know listeners will appreciate, uh, because it's truth. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about truth. We're not talking about leaving every single thing you consume feeling like, you know, better or, or, you know, instantaneous relief from whatever is plaguing you. We're talking about truth. So yeah. Thank you so much for pointing that out. And and Haley, if I could just add something on there real quick, you, you, you Mm -hmm. you mentioned the phrase, you know, that, that this is a hard truth. You know, you really look at it, you you really examine the gospel uh, forensically, right? It's not the truth that's hard. It's not the truth of the gospel that's hard. It's our hearts that are hard. Our hearts, mm, are, wow. what we don't want, we, our hearts are so hard, mm. we don't want the truth. That's what makes the truth hard. The truth right. is inherently right. hard. Our hearts are hard, so we don't want yeah. to hear the truth. So we re- hard hearts receive truth as hard truth. But mm. look, look, look at what, 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 what God who didn't love you would give you the truth to begin with. Yeah. God who didn't love you, who didn't care about you, who didn't want, uh, uh, his best for you wouldn't give you the truth to begin with. You know, Virg, I was thinking about maybe uh, you and I should do a, an episode of the podcast on what I'm going to call the negative promises of Christ, the negative promises of the gospel. And what I mean by negative promises are not the are, are the promises that don't have positive uh, vibes with it. So, for instance, the the the, the yeah. promise where Jesus says, "Well, in this world you will have tribulation." That's a negative promise. Okay. Another negative promise would be Philippians chapter one, verse 29, where Paul writes this. He says, for you to, for to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. That's a negative promise. So we think about the promises of God and they're always positive, right? They're always flowers, unicorns, rainbows. No one, no, no one ever used, have you ever heard uh, Haley? Have you had, have ever heard anyone use the phrase, the promises of God, and point to these negative promises. I've never heard a single person do that. When no, they not really. Promises of God. It's always something positive, always something that has to do mm-hmm. with positive or, or, or beneficent outcome uh, for them. Uh, so, so when you look at it, though, when you look, we're talking about truth here. We're talking about truth, and all we're doing 
as Christians, all we're doing here in this conversation that the three of us are having are encourage, is encouraging and exhorting fellow believers to do what Jesus did. We're not doing anything differently than what Jesus did. Jesus preached the truth. Jesus was persecuted for the truth, so yeah. much so that he ultimately was murdered for telling the truth. This really isn't complicated. We're just advocating that believers, professing believers in Christ, do the same thing. It's like Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Mm -hmm. Probably the most profound rhetorical question in the entire in the entirety of Scripture. Mm -hmm. So we're not advocating anything complicated. You don't need an advanced theological degree to understand what we're talking about here. Yeah, and you also don't need to, you know, you don't need to say much to find yourself in the position of being persecuted for standing for the truth exactly. these days. Exactly. It's actually pretty easy. Like, right. You just right. have to say truth is absolute and can be known. God is sovereign. You know, you have to, man is yeah. wicked and hopeless yeah. without Christ. Like you don't have to say much and you're going to have a lot of people. You know, someone's saying a man is a man and a woman is a woman. Yeah. And a, and yeah. a woman is not a man and a man is not a woman. Right. Yeah. And, and you got, and you got big, big, big problems. And, and, and two plus two plus two equals four. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll, I'll simply add this Haley and, and let you jump back in and just say that um, basically what, what Daryl is talking about is developing a doctrine of suffering, mm -hmm. right? It, it's, it's just, it's establishing develop the development of a doctrine of suffering. And what you shared is important because at the end of the day, everybody's life isn't rainbows, candies, and lollipops. Mm -hmm. Everyone is going to go through difficult times. And as they do, the truth will be revealed based upon the foundation that they've laid. If they've laid a foundation of rainbows and lollipops and, mm -hmm. and gumdrops, they're going to they're gonna be in sinking sand when trouble comes. They're going to find themselves looking for answers in places that were never aimed to provide it for them. Mm -hmm. uh, a bottle, something sexually promiscuous, uh, politics, social justice. They'll be looking for answers in other places that were never designed to provide answers in the first place. If they're, if they're established, if they, if they've established a doctrine of suffering on the standard of God's word, they'll be able to be tried by fire and proven faithful at the end. And so at the end of the day, that's what you're pointing them to. Yeah. Hey, just one, one last thing. I just want to dovetail on what Virgil was saying here. You know, listen, in, in the gospels, believers in Christ are commanded by Christ to take up their cross follow him. All right. Not take up your candy corn, not take up your bag of lollipops, mm -hmm. not take up your bag of bubble gum or popcorn. You're, you're, you're told to take up your cross and follow him. You know, the Christian life is a life of suffering it is a life of suffering. As like Virgil just said, we need to develop a, a, uh, a doctrine, a theology of suffering because mm -hmm. in, and especially within the social justice movement and the advocacy of the social gospel, mm -hmm. What the social gospel fundamentally is trying to achieve is to make a life of thorns and nails and turn that into a life of like Virgil said, gumdrops, lollipops, and, and rainbows. That, but that that is that is antithetical by definition to what Christianity is. Uh, so we need to be able to develop a proper theology of suffering and accept that as the way of the Christian life, recognizing as as First Peter one says that our inheritance is in heaven. Our inheritance is reserved for us in heaven. Once we can accept that, that our reward is not here, you can put up with anything. Yeah, man. 
That is just so encouraging. And I know that that is what we need to be preaching to ourselves and hearing and, and living in. Uh, that's the truth that we, we actually need day to day. It's not, not the truth that you are enough. You've got this girl. That's not, it's not going to cut it. It is not going to cut it. Not in this day and age, not going forward. I mean, and, and if you are plugged in at all to the news headlines, you know that persecution is, um, is out there, but it's, it's actually coming. And so we are promised that. And I am just so thankful for your guys's, uh, example, even just in the reality of dealing with it day in, day out, you may not think that it really is, is that big a deal. Cause you don't care, but I know there's a lot of us who do struggle with caring. And so it's, it's really encouraging to see believers standing firm. And that's exactly what scripture tells us is stand firm then, you know, and, and when we see others, brothers and sisters doing that, we are encouraged and we are reminded, we are shown that look, Christ is enough. Like they are, they are being upheld by Jesus Christ and the power of his word. And they do not need the approval of man. And yet, even in spite of that, look at the blessings that God is actually working in and through you guys and through your Mm -hmm. ministry. And it's just, it's so, so awesome to see. And it's just like, wow, look, look at what happens when we obey God. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's almost like, it's almost mind blowing, but then you're like, oh, well, the reason it looks so different is because we just see so little of it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so rare in this day and age. Mm -hmm. So Good job. Keep going. Thank you for um, meeting with me today. This has been so encouraging. Thanks for having us. Anytime, Haley. And uh, where can people find you on not online if they're not already following you? You can check us out at justthinking.me, justthinking.me. Uh, check out the website. You can catch us on podcast, on, on, your, on your favorite podcast, Spotify, iTunes, you name it. Download us at Just Thinking. Uh, the Just Thinking podcast. I can't think of it. You can find Daryl and I both. Uh, Daryl's a big Twitter guy, so you can catch him at what is it? What is it for you, Daryl? Yeah, my my Twitter is d underscore b underscore Harrison. D okay. underscore b underscore Harrison. And Verd is kind of a big IG Facebook guy. So where can they find you, V Dub? You can find me on Facebook, Virgil Walker. Uh, on IG, Virgil L Walker. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Virgil W L K R Omaha. And mm-hmm. so that, that's how you can catch me. So I'll link all that in the show notes in case people struggle to follow along, but thank you guys so much for your time today. Hey, thanks hey, for Sarah. having me. Love you. you guys, thank you so much for listening today. I really hope and pray that episode was timely, relevant and encouraging to you. I just could talk to those guys all day. And uh, it was funny because after I turned off the mic uh, Virgil, you know, in his classic fashion was like, Oh, we were just getting started. Daryl was, he could go two hours. He was just getting fired up. And I was like, dang it. Why did I turn it off? Like I should have let him keep going, but I had to get my kids from preschool. So it had had to end somewhere. I mean, I could talk to them all day. There's just, they have so much good, so much good wisdom to share. I could repeat that a million times and it would not be enough. Um, so if you have not listened to their podcast, I absolutely, Uh, would commend that to you. It's called Just Thinking. I'm sure most of you have already heard it, but it is truly my favorite. And um, they're awesome. Go find them on Instagram. I will link them in the show notes, their profiles, their podcast, their website, everything. So you can go find them and start following them and just be so encouraged by the fact that um, more brothers and sisters in the faith are speaking up and speaking the truth and sharing boldly with truth and grace. Um, Okay, guys, that is all I have for today. 
Remember that you can get extra episodes every Friday by joining Patreon at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. All right, guys, have an awesome week. See you next time. Okay, I'm no professional sound mixer, but that sounded pretty good. Just a minute. Sounded real good.